Hi and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website edgechurch.co.za or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. Today we're in our series Pray First as we explore how prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Enjoy listening to the sermon. Well, well, good morning. Won't you give me a wave? That's my way of connecting with guys. Lovely to see you all, especially we want to greet our folk that are meeting with us online. And we really do value you. We do say to you, you're special. And we want you, although you're not here physically in our building, want you to know that you're part of us. And we thank God for you who meet with us, not always locally, and they're folk from afar who tune in to our services. God bless you. Great to be with you. The, serv- the series uh, Pray First really uh, touches a chord in my life. If I was asked, you have 48 hours to live and you've got two sermons to preach. My first sermon will be the power of forgiveness. How it can change your life and live in the freedom of God. And the second one is how to develop the habit of intimate prayer with God. It's so critical to your Christian walk because the simple definition of prayer is sharing what's on your heart and what's in your mind with God. It's not the fancy words, it's just sharing what's on your heart. And I believe God delights and longs to hear from you. In fact, he has a relationship with you. Imagine being married for your first years of marriage and uh, this is the first week that you've gone on honeymoon and you say the first time you wake up, you say, huh, how was it? Uh, and that's all you're talking. Imagine going through your whole marriage life with like, huh, yeah, yeah. Mm. No connection, no communion. Prayer is communion, talking, connection with God. And so this morning... I want to talk into a subject called how to pray when you're living with pain. They put out a survey, a publishing house uh, that covered the subject of, wanted to publish a book on prayer, but they wouldn't know is there a market out there for it. And the head editor put out this on the online uh, polling, online website polling. And he asked a very personal question. I felt it was quite a challenging question for me. The question he asked, how satisfied are you with your prayer life? Well, this is the result. Only 3% responded by saying, I'm somewhat satisfied. 97% said, I'm dissatisfied, I'm discouraged. I struggle with my prayer life. The truth, we all know that prayer is important and I want you to be assured this morning that we've all struggled, struggled at times deeply, struggled to connect with God and be close to Him and desired even to pray. All of us have faced that when you face pain. We know it's important. And I want you to know that the burden of your leaders 
and their desire, your lead pastor and our elders, is not to make you feel more guilty and ashamed that you don't pray. We don't want you to feel 97%, we're going to now beat you up because you don't pray. Our desire is that we long to equip you. We long to encourage you. We long to come alongside you and say, I know it's tough when you need to pray. And not to put the guilt on you. So the series was all about finding ways on how we can make it part of your life. How you can develop that habit of praying first. So you could embrace in your lifestyle that prayer becomes my first response. <coughs> Excuse me, folk. And not your last resort. That somehow that becomes more your habit and you find yourself talking to God in every situation you find yourself in. It was in the, sec the, first, excuse me, the first week when Pastor Daniel preached and I listened to the YouTube, went over it the second time and spent time reflecting. It made such, a made, such, made such an impact on me. Give me a minute, I'll take some water first. It had made such an impact on my life. When I went through and listened, and there was a moment in the sermon on the 12th when he said something that really shifted something in my life afresh. And I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking a very prophetic word through what Pastor Daniel had said. It was like the heavens calling out an invitation from God, as if God was wanting to call us together afresh and whisper in our hearts. This is what he said. That if you take the seven ways that Jesus taught us to pray from the Lord's Prayer into your week, into your days ahead, and you started developing this habit of prayer. And this is the thing that shifted in me. I promise you, if you apply this, you will be changed. Something will shift. You see, we can read all the self-help books. We can even try hard to change. But I believe what Pastor Daniel believes is the greater thing. He's not doing more things, but God's Holy Spirit changing you as you make yourself available to Him. And that comes through intimacy and prayer with God. The greater thing is a church and a people that will embrace prayer first as a way of life. You see, the Bible invites us to come to Him and share our hearts with Him. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 is an invitation from God for our nation, for our surroundings, for the critical time we find ourselves as a nation. He says these words, If my people who called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. You see God's invitation. The prophetic thing is great things will begin to happen. The greater that we want will be when we use the key to unlock heaven, which is prayer. When something moves from our abilities to just making ourselves available to God to use us as we are. When the shift happens, that's the greater. Can you imagine a church of followers of Jesus that believe and practice the habit of pray first. Pray is my first priority, not my last resort. I believe we will see the greater things happen. God will shift the heavens. God will open the heavens over our nation, over our families, over our homes when we pray first. And so my desire this morning is to talk into an area that we've all struggled with, is to pray in times that we're feeling pain. If we're honest, vulnerable, on your faith journey, there will be times that you face dark, hard times, things that come to you that you never expect ever to happen in your life. The loss of a child, a divorce, a betrayal, a business that collapsed, a broken relationship, a shattered dream, and you struggle to lift your eyes to heaven because deep down inside, the pain is God. Why did this happen? The pain is so real that you feel God forgot you. And somehow we attend church, but we find our distancing from God. It's like we're so deeply hurt and so deeply disappointed. I want to take some time. Look at a passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. The focus of this prayer is often referred to as the Jabez prayer. I want you to hear the word of God this morning. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted him. Very briefly, this, book, this passage comes out of the book of Chronicles, chapter, the first Chronicles, and there's a second book of Chronicles. It was written by a prophet called Ezra, and he was the one who returned with a group of Christi oh, sorry, Israelites that had been in captivity, but they had forgotten their history. They had forgotten for 70 years a generation had died and a new generation, just like when they were in the wilderness. A new generation, but they didn't know the history. And Ezra begins to rewrite the genealogy. He begins right from Adam. And he tells the people, do you know where you've come from? 
Do you know who you are in God? Do you know how special you are that God has taken care of these Israelites, us, His people, and He has been faithful in spite of our unfaithfulness? In spite of us wandering from Him? Now the first nine chapters of the whole first Chronicles is dedicated to the genealogies. Now you can be quite bored reading through names that you can't even pronounce. And we kind of skip through it, but they're critical to the nation of Israel. But the overall principle, I'm writing these things down, that there was once a person who lived who knew the God of Israel. But then he pauses. And he makes mention and takes some time to mention this man called Jabez. I want you to take a moment and invite you to think why. What was the significance? Talks about Jabez's pain. Later on I'll tell you actually his name was pain. Can you imagine? Hello Luke, call your brother Daniel and Joel to come and bring pain with you. Please. I grew up in a community that all had names for everybody. If you just happened to have a little big ears, your name was? Wera. Why we use the Afrikaans, I don't know. One fellow grew up in our neighborhood and he had sort of, he was born with a bit of a, uh, a genetic uh, thing and, and his eyes bulged a little bit. So guess what we called him? It's these kind friends. His whole life, he had to be known as Uga. Nice. I mean, it's terrible that you could do that to people. They always called me the handsome one. No, no, not really. <laughs> but I'm trying to tell you that this, boy, this man, from the day he couldn't hear, his name was Pain. Now he pauses and he tells us, about this. He doesn't talk us, tell us about the other people, great people. He just pauses here. I would suggest that he paused there to write about this man because each one of us have experienced pain. Each one of us feels at times, where is God in this place of pain? And then he begins to tell of how this man turned to God. How this man asked God to bless him. The scripture tells us that he was more honorable than his brothers. Now the word honorable in the original language means a man who lives by his beliefs and stood for truth and sought to live by the laws of God. So don't get the illusion he's named pain because he was such a bad person and God was dealing with him because he deserved pain. Because we have this thing to think God is punishing me. The truth is we all, because we're human and live on earth that's fallen, will have pain to a measure. God wants to come into that and help you to connect with Him. And the way He has provided us to connect with Him is through prayer. You know, 
when, when I've had those moments of deep betrayal or disappointment, I found it not too bad to read the Bible. I would read it. But coming in, someone in my spiritual direction, I meet with someone monthly. And he says, how's your walk with God and how's your prayer life? I said to him, I've been sulking a bit with God. He looked at me and he said, oh, that's nice. But he, he wanted honesty. He says, I talk to God and then he doesn't answer me and then I sulk for about a week. And so I talked to him, hello, Lord, I'm here. Let me say, oh, Lord, God, our Father, which art in heaven, but I'm not going to talk to you. I sulk. And so this, he's trying to say, in the midst of his frustration, God is trying to say, no, no, no. I want you to come to me with your pain. I want you to come and meet with me. So how do we pray? I'm going to give you four things that over the years I've read and experienced for my own life and there's very practical things. Very Four very practical things. How do we come to God? Number one, you come to God with your heart and not your head. You say, what do you mean? I must come with the brain. I can't think. No, because you spend so much time. If this didn't happen, then I would have done that. And if they didn't say that, I wouldn't have done this thing. And we try to find answers to questions that are not answerable. And we spend our life reasoning with God. But when you come to God with your whole heart, you're coming to a God of full of love and compassion. And He wants to hear your broken heart. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16 says, This high priest, speaking about Jesus, this one understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. So, listen to the invite. So, come boldly to his throne. Boldly to the gracious throne. There you will receive mercy. Not why did you do that. Not you should not have done that. Mercy. That you will find grace to help you. When you need it most. You come to him. Owning. Your pain. We don't come to him and say. Lord I've come to you. Because I'm hurt. Because Derek. I hope there's no Derek's. <laughs> did something to me. And he betrayed me. And this one did this. And Lord I want you to deal with him. May his camels get fleas may his car break down lord deal with him in the name of jesus no you pray about your heart you see i often said i'll be the best husband when i was weak if i had a good wife now i want to tell you she prays the same prayer as well <laughs> the truth being you come with your heart the second thing i want you to notice you come with humility. Now, humility is a, is a mystical word in the sense that we don't fully understand. In other words, we come with no pretenses and pretending that we're not that bad as we are. In other words, we come to him 
And we start off by saying, dear Lord, please, God, I'd really sinned. But I wouldn't have sinned if they didn't do that to me. No, I own my struggles. That's honesty. Listen to what the writer writes how Jesus spoke to the disciple, to the crowd called the Beatitudes. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. Do you know what that word poor means? That they're incomplete. Because Eugene Peterson captures it this way. We are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. Kanimiani. With less of you, there will be more of God and His rule. You come to God incomplete. You come to God with an open heart. Thirdly, I want you to know that humility is that, but now we move into a humility and honesty seems are very closely linked, but they are distinct. Because honesty deals with the whole truth. You know, they say to you, will you tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I've got a habit of telling you 90% of the truth and keeping the last 10% back so I can use it against you when I can. Is it, it's only me. Or <laughs> I'll tell God I've been bad, but I'm not so bad as the other person. Whole truth is to say, I have messed up. The whole truth says, Lord, I'm so bad, I feel like I can commit suicide. Lord, I hate that person so much I can take vengeance. You say, doesn't God get upset if you tell him that? No, he wants the truth. Because listen to what it says. He's a God of truth and it's the truth that sets you free. You tell God everything. Why? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For his spirit searches out everything. There's nothing hidden from him. Come clean. Tell him the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. And the fourth thing is, acknowledge your humanity. What do I mean by that? I believe you will never grow and deepen your maturity spiritually and your spirituality if you don't recognize and accept who God made you as a human. Please listen to what I'm saying. You cannot grow spiritually without acknowledging your humanity, your personality, that you get easily offended, that you are insensitive, and you say the wrong things at the wrong time and the right time. That that's part of your personality. You've got to own your personality and your humanity and don't justify it because why you know there is a truth the reality is that we do hurt people ourselves and that we're not perfect that we make mistakes that we stumble and we struggle to say sorry in the human relationships. 
Come to a place where you accept that you are incomplete. And yet God loved you so much that he sent his son and he calls you my loved child, my beloved. And the promise is the Holy Spirit will help us in our weaknesses. So you come with those four things, with a heart, with humility, with honesty and humanity, and that creates the space where you feel safe now. You don't feel judged. You feel accepted by God. You don't have to pray the prayers that He likes. Because you feel safe. You know, there's certain relationships you can't be honest with. You're too scared what will happen. Third world war will take place. Bombs will drop. And none of you are like that. I know that. But you withdraw from those people. He says, can you come now to me and feel safe? But that safe place becomes a sacred place. What is the word sacred? That God sanctifies and makes holy. So it's you and him and no one else in the presence. But you feel kind of special. God, heaven stops to listen to me. Well, it doesn't stop, but I mean, it, it keeps going. But it, you, 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 that's how you feel. I can enter in the throne room of God. And that leads to a place of what I call security. When you feel safe, when you feel this a sacred place, you kind of have security and you become quite confident that God is listening to me. It's not like if you want, you know, if you, uh, I will ask you, and if you, if you can hear me, I, I'm not too sure. You feel confident. Now, Dad, I'm in trouble. And that place becomes the place where you share your deepest secrets. Nothing hidden. And he keeps our heart and he holds us. When you're in pain, that's how you come to God. And so I've spent time this morning looking at how we come to him when you're in pain. But I want to focus now on this man called Jabez and what he prayed. So now you have a platform to pray a prayer. And I want you to notice, and let's go back to the passage and have a look how what he prayed. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me. I want you to notice four things that he prays. Number one, he prays for God to bless you. Bless him. I want you to understand what that word bless means. In the Greek it means makarios, that it will be well with me. That my heart and my soul will be well in midst of what I don't have and what I should have. And I feel a, a turbulence in my world. Inside, I'm okay with you. That's called blessed. People ask you, how are you doing? I'm blessed. And you look at it and the car's just about made it. But I'm blessed. Whew. No, something inside has happened. That's called bless. But I want you also to notice, God is not a, against the fact that you ask for him to bless you in material and financially. It's nothing wrong with that. Listen to what he says to, Gen uh, uh, to Abraham. I will make 
you into a great nation. Wow, thanks God. I will bless you and make you famous. Wow, that's wonderful. In other words, God wants you to prosper. He desires that. Can you believe a father would say, uh, I really wish you'd grow up and become a drug addict, man. Can you imagine the baby, the father holds the baby and he looks at him and says, ah, he's going to be a loser, this one. Every dad has the best three for his children and every month, can, mom, can I have an amen? That's how God feels about you. He wants to bless you. But I want to tell you, blessing comes with a great responsibility. If you want blessings to be hoarding and holding on to it yourself, I don't believe God desires that of you. You are blessed to be a blessing. That's why we're focusing on the prayer, excuse me, the invitations. Was it so we can say we had a full church? No, that someone who's in darkness and broken will hear that there's a Jesus that died for them. And they can have a hope and a future. Secondly, I want you to notice he prays the second thing. Oh, that you enlarge my territory. Now, I want you to understand what that means in the, uh, the, 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 the time. Territory meant influence that you can have. It is about having much so you can give much. But territory speaks about that I will be a man of influence. Now, remember, he goes back and it speaks about that he was more noble than his brothers. He longed to be noble so he could make an impact and influence other people. Listen to what Samuel, 2 Samuel says. You widen my stride under me and my feet do not stagger. He says, God, will you widen my step? Make me have great influence in the community. Lord, let us be on the committees of the school so we can make ourselves as Jesus' people not withdrawn. We must engage. Can I have an amen on that? That's influence. Isaiah Prophesied, make the tent you live in larger. In other words, expand and impact and influence other people. I've always believed that it's more important that your thumbprint is on people's lives than your name is remembered on a plaque somewhere against a wall. That's why we try to put our thumbprint on the little kids from 10 months old and run up the stairs go to play in open space and that we have young people coming on a Friday night that our thumbprint can be on them so that we can influence and make an impact thirdly I want you to notice he prays for God's presence excuse me yes presence and his power on his family and himself Oh, that your hand will be upon me. That prayer is an acknowledgement of God, if you lift your hand from my life, I'm nothing. You see, because it can't be by my own strength that I will achieve and be influential with anything. Then it's just about me, my name. Zechariah says, it's not by might or by power, but by my spirit. And Jesus said these words, for without me you can do nothing. Paul says, it's not that we think we are qualified. 
to do anything on our own for God. Our qualifications comes from God. He has enabled us. It's that sense of, Lord, keep your hand on me. If I might take a moment for, to us as a congregation to share something vulnerable. You know that every single time I've preached from this platform of any other church, I felt nervous that I wasn't good enough. Please hear me. I didn't go through the process not good enough. I said, Lord, I'm so nervous. Can I do this? Can I do this? I shared that with a preacher many years ago. He said, oh, that's wonderful. So you can depend on him. And finally, I noticed that he prays a prayer. Oh, that you would protect me. Provide protection for me and my family. Listen to what he says. Keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. I love what the Message Bible says. And provide your personal protection. Don't let evil hurt me. And God gave him what he asked. It's important that we remember that we live in a fallen world and the enemy of our soul is the devil, Satan himself. And that he seeks to keep you from God, even with good things. But his agenda is that of an enemy. He strategizes. He's God's enemy. He's the church's enemy. His agenda is to steal to rob and destroy. Destroy your dreams. He desires you to take offense quickly and leave the church because then he's got a victory. You say to me, what are you talking about offense in the church? Well, we're all people. And if you understand humanity, as I've explained, there are times you're going to bump up against each other. And if you do want to belong to the perfect church where all the perfect people go, please don't join it because you will spoil it. And if you feel easily offended and people tramp on your toes, get bigger shoes. Because we are people of humanity. The reason I'm telling you that, because the enemy has used, and I've seen it, that strategy so many times. Deceives people. Distracts them. Darkens their vision and finally destroys them. Paul tells us, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Not us. But ev against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against the mighty powers in the dark world. And against evil spirits in heavenly places. Today, God invites you. God calls you to have a friendship with Him. I want to encourage you today. I want to say to you that if you want to dig deeper into how you come to God to pray, what you pray is in the Pray First booklet. We've laid it out. All that I've told you how He prayed is in here. Because we want you to be equipped and know how to pray. But what holds you back? Some of us feel that we're not worthy. We have sinned too much. 
We are far from God. Jesus is here inviting you today to say, will you hear my cry? I want you to come and be my child. I want you to bow your heads with me as I want to read you a prayer that I have learned and stay reading in it myself. I read it when I'm struggling to pray. It's like this. Lord, I place myself before you, the God of truth. The God in whom I can be completely open and honest. The God that I don't have to pretend. The God who knows me better than myself and accepts me as I am. Maybe you need to pray that prayer and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you today. Jesus, I desire to grow with you. I've fallen in my prayer life. I've drifted from you. I haven't received you. And you need prayer today, and you want to receive Christ in a fresh new way. It will be my joy and privilege to pray for you. If you ask for that, I'll just ask you to lift your hands. I know who I'm praying for. God bless you. Are there others this morning? And shot up straight away. Others, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, as these hands are raised, they come to you because of your invitation that they can come. Lord, let them know that they love, they can feel safe, and that you are ready to accept them and care for them. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And God's people sit together. Amen. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.